0: The following show is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice.
1: Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Congelos. This is part two. on We're dealing with funding college and student loans. And today's topic is going to be predominantly around what to do once you're out of college and you have student loans and you have to deal with that. Our guest today is Emily Ziegler over at CNA Financial Group, who's one of our experts in the area of dealing with college and loans and so forth. So, Emily, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you back.
0: Thanks for having me again, Frank.
1: So, Emily, here's kind of how the the whole picture kind of lays out. You know, we have an individual. um, They've gone through school. They now graduated, and they've got some student loans. Okay, and now what's happened with those student loans, all of a sudden the payments are gonna start to come due. So maybe the way that we can just start this is, you know, one, let's make sure people know when will the payments start to come due. And then two, how does it work? And then we're gonna talk about how to you know look at the payments, which is you know, do you have different options on how you deal with the, the loan payments? So with that being said, Emily, I'll leave it up to you.
0: Sure. So uh, the federal government typically gives you six months to kind of get everything in order, right? They know that you're graduating and it's a stressful time and you might still be interviewing for jobs. And so they say, you know what, after six months post-graduation, that's when your first loan payment is due. They let you get a little settled. Um, and so from there, you'll start getting some notices in the mail that you know, tell you how much you owe on each of your loans, um, who your loans are with, who's the provider at that time. Uh, and, and what's due. And so at that point is when you, you take a look at how much you're making and how much you can afford to be paying on them. Um, what's great about federal loans is that they have different programs in place uh, based on what your salary is, what your living expenses are, where you can actually um, pay an affordable you know, amount each month.
1: So what they don't want to do is blow up your cash flow so that you can't afford to live, and you're basically going, you're working to pay your student loans.
0: (laughs) You know, a lot of people feel that way uh, because balances are pretty high these days, Uh, but that's true. But there are programs then out there for people like that who, you know, perhaps they, you know, are just doing an internship that's not as highly paid or an entry-level job. And so the government understands that, and that's why um, in our earlier session I told us, I talked about, you know, trying to go the federal route because they understand that. Versus if you have private loans, your options are very limited. Uh, you know, It's really just like a personal loan, and what's due is due.
1: Yeah, They basically look at it as if they underwrote the loan when they gave you the money. The interest rate has already been established. And unless you have the ability to refinance it elsewhere, it's like you, you personally guarantee that loan, you're paying it.
0: Absolutely. And then with the Parent PLUS loans, which are federal loans, remember parents out there that you're actually on that loan as well. So if you know six months into graduation, your child doesn't have a job and fears not being able to make that first payment, you may, you may need to get involved a little bit and help them set up the proper repayment plan because your credit will also be affected if the loan's not paid on time.
1: Very good. So Emily, one of the things that we do get questions on is we get people that'll ask us from time to time, you know, can I refinance these loans? Can I get a better interest rate? What can I do on this? So what are your insights around whether someone should refinance, can refinance, or whatever.
0: Definitely, so we can start on the on the federal side, and so I would always recommend people go to studentloans.gov, and you can actually put in all of your loans, your interest rates, the types of loans that are in there, and save it, and it'll give you all of your repayment options. So there's a lot of acronyms for everything, IBR, um, PAYE, and all these different things, and so there's a lot of different programs out there, and what they'll do is they'll take your loans, and let you know, you know how much your payment will be, what your interest rate will be, and then the amount that will be actually forgiven at the end of the term of the loan. Um, and there's a huge misconception about that actually in terms of, so say you have $200,000 worth of debt and you have a, you know, a lower paying job or you can't afford $1,500 a month or whatever the, the federal loan provider is telling you you owe. Um, so you can get on income-based repayment, and they can make your payment as low as zero. If you're unemployed, your payment's zero, and that's considered on time and in good standing. However, if you do that, the interest will continue to build, um, and while it will get forgiven after 20 or 25 years, depending on the program you're in, that forgiven amount actually becomes taxable income. Taxable income to you. So. It's kind of, you know, you have to figure out what's worth it um, because the loan balance will continue to grow if you're not actually paying what's due.
1: Interesting insight, you know, as you're going through that. So, you know, in in just staying with that, one of the other things that comes up and, you know, we talk about this and I know that sometimes you and I feel differently about this is we have people that say, hey, I want to start making extra payments on the loan to pay it down more quickly. And we both have agreement that, hey, getting rid of debt earlier is sometimes better. However, a concern that I have is, is that I see many people, they come out of school. Um, they've been kind of raised in an environment where it was like, you know, debt's terrible. Take everything extra you have and pay off that loan. And when they're doing that, what they're not doing is they have no emergency funds, They don't even have any form of disability insurance that if they get sick or hurt, they could lose their income. And so they're making that financial decision. And then when a life event occurs, such as they get laid off, the car broke down or whatever, now they're living on a credit card or they're paying their bills or that bill on a credit card because they don't have an emergency fund. So the loan interest rate on the student loan was 6%, but now I'm paying 24% on a student loan. So one of my biggest things is, I strongly recommend that before someone prepays any loan, they should have adequate emergency funds in case any life event occurs, and they should also have, at a bare minimum, adequate disability insurance. So, yeah. what are your thoughts on that, Emily?
0: Absolutely. And so, I normally tell people who you know are paying the the payment that's due to, if, even if they have a high interest rate, it's okay to prepay, but you're going to do it strategically. Right? So what you're going to do is you're going to save for that prepayment. And once you've accumulated enough funds in your emergency fund that you feel confident if something were to happen, you'd be okay for a few months. Then anything on top of that, you can begin to prepay um, you know, some of that loan down. But you're not going to do it you know, monthly and go down to zero every month in your bank account because that's not a healthy you know, financial life. Um, The other thing you mentioned is uh, about disability insurance. So a lot of people who end up having these high student loans, um, it's because they went to some type of maybe graduate school or they have a degree um, that was pretty expensive. Uh, And so, you know, if you're skilled, say, if you're a doctor or a lawyer or a physical therapist or something like that, um, you know, for anybody, it's really important to have disability coverage. But in that disability coverage, there's actually a student loan rider Uh, that you can put in there so not only if you were to get sick or hurt and not be able to provide for yourself and your family um, would the disability you know pay you your income but it would also pay your student loans Um, and that's something i always like to point out to people who have high student loan debt because you know the government isn't so forgiving um, and especially the private loans Um, they don't care you know where you're working or what you're doing you, you owe the loan
1: great insight you know, one of the things, too, that I always like to bring up to people is is that um, some families are very fortunate, whereas they may have a family member, uh, could be a parent or a grandparent, that financially is in really good shape. And they may have money sometimes that's sitting in CDs or low interest bearing accounts, and sometimes interfamily financing might even make sense. And when we do that, and when you know, I find people that do it. It's done entirely what I call uh, legit and documented. It means there's a document that's done. Uh, sometimes all the checks are written out. You know, for the next ten years in advance, so Thanksgiving never gets awkward. But it's an interesting way that what happens is is where you have someone who's got money at one or two percent in CDs, and they're sitting there and they're going, "I'm not making much interest." They can actually lend it to their granddaughter at three or four percent, and they've helped the granddaughter, and they've doubled their rate, and everybody's happy.
0: Absolutely, I actually see that happen all the time, um, and it's it's a really great way to you know if you want to help out someone within your family or a generation below you, and and understand that maybe they had to take out loans at the time when they went to school, but now they you know they have the ability to repay, but you don't want them you know having to pay six, seven, 10% in interest. Um, it's, a, it's a nice thing to do, but it's also a pretty financially sound decision as well.
1: It's great insight. So for all of our listeners, you've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. Our guest today has been Emily Ziegler from CNA Finance Group, and this has been Frank Congelos. We thank you for being with us this month, and we look forward to being with you again next month. Have a great week.
0: Advisors of the Institute of Responsible Wealth may be licensed for investment and insurance products. The Institute of Responsible Wealth is an educational division of CNA Financial Group. CNA Financial Group and its advisors are an agency or an agent of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. The Institute of Responsible Wealth and CNA Financial Group are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian.